0: I couldn't look people in the eyes. I felt that I didn't deserve to take up the voice base because nothing I would say would add value to, you know, the people that I'm speaking to. That was a 10 to 15 year journey of finding my confidence and courage. I realized one thing, confidence is not something that you just wake up with. Real confidence is truly knowing yourself, truly having conviction in your beliefs and your values and the things that you say.
1: Over the past few years, my life has completely changed. I've built one of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups, Happy Skin Co., generating over $10 per year in sales and disrupting a billion-dollar industry in the process. I've now turned my passion for growth and personal development to bring you these honest and eye-opening conversations. This isn't just a business podcast. This is about the person underneath. This is about the journey. This is what it's really like. I'll be interviewing guests from all walks of life, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences. From the hardest day of their life to the biggest accomplishments and everything in between. My name is Dylan Mullen and this is Life, Money & Love. All right, we're back another episode. This one is an awesome episode. My friend, uh, Ahmed Imam, one of the most influential influencers on LinkedIn, Uh, over a million followers you've been able to build. We kind of come across each other. You're a, a partner and presenter for Success Resources, probably the most epic events and personal development company in the world, in my opinion and more recently started working uh, as an ambassador to the, the royal family in the royal office of the UAE, which is extremely interesting and something I do want to ask about and how that happened and what that looks like, because I, I think it's just one of the most cool opportunities I've ever heard someone doing. But where I want to start is I want to start from the beginning. What I'm most curious about is your personal journey with, with self-improvement, personal development. Now, from from looking at yourself, and I know you, it seems like you have a beautiful connection and relationship with your parents. Uh, I know they're Egyptian. Can you tell me a little bit about them, your early life? Were you born in Egypt? They came here. Were you born over here And kind of the early days of Ahmed? Because I think that sets the whole precedence of the man you've become and everything you've been able to achieve over the last 10, 20 20- 20 years.
0: Absolutely, and it's been a hell of a journey. Um, Yes, so my parents are Egyptian. I was born in Egypt. Mm -hmm. We immigrated here when I was, uh, when I say here to Australia, when I was four years old. I couldn't speak a word of English, Mm. (laughs) like literally nothing. Yeah, Um, So I was thrown into school and kind of just had to pick up the English as Mm. as I went. Um, But I looked very different. I obviously couldn't speak English, so mm. I sounded different. Yeah, um, and through those years, I experienced a bit of bullying through the through the yeah. schooling years, um, let's say, um, and that continued on for a while here and there because um, I also then went to a prestigious private school mm-hmm. uh, between Year Seven and Year Twelve, mm-hmm. and you know I was the only brown skinned yeah. kid there with a big you know unkempt afro, you know? <laughs> so I definitely stood, stood out. out. Um, but after school, I got to the stage where I was about 17, 18, mm. um, because of everything that I'd experienced, super low confidence, low self-esteem, mm. uh, my opinion of myself was just, um, you know, it, it was terrible. It was, it was heartbreaking mm. to think of. Um, but I got, I got a job at a local pizzeria. Yeah. All right, so so I thought all right, let's just get started there. Um and my job was to make some gourmet pizzas mm-hmm. uh, for a few hours and then spend about maybe 6-7 hours just washing dishes out back. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't want to deal with anyone, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have the confidence to to start conversations. I'll just wash my dishes and everything else. Um and I stayed there for about 2 or 3 years and the owner was a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um Really impressive dude. I mean, he, he would pop in every now and then more as, as a founder, so he wasn't there full time. Yeah. Um, But he'd take the time to speak to me even though oh, really? I, you know, was just a shy, awkward kid. Mm. And when I had the conversation with him that I was going to leave and move on, he gifted me something that changed the trajectory of my life, and that was a 25-disc CD set mm. by Tony Robbins, right? And I'm showing my age here by saying <laughs> CD, CD, CD set. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It actually was like this big, and I know you know anyone that's listening can't actually see it, but they'll be able to see it on video. Yeah. Um, also, it was a 30-day program. Yep. Had no idea who Tony Robbins was, had no mm. idea what self-development was. Um, I put on the very, very first CD, and as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, all right, this is something that I need to invest in. Yeah. And so I put on that second CD, the third CD, and it really took me out of my comfort zone. And throughout the program, it's called Personal Power 2 mm-hmm. – they challenge you to do things to take you out of your comfort zone yeah. and to and to start to realize some of your goals. And so that's what I started to do, to build my confidence and courage. I started to um, volunteer to MC weddings. Yeah. Um, I started to volunteer to do sales presentations. And mm-hmm. by that time, I was in the sales industry. Anything that terrified the hell out of me, yep. that I knew that I could grow through, I would do.
1: So were you intro- more introverted growing up?
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, well, it was interesting. Like, between the ages of, let's say, um, I mean, as far as I can remember, let's say like three to maybe five, mm. um, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think once I started school and I started taking on the opinions of others, it kind of just mm. you know, destroyed uh, my confidence and turned me into a bit of an introvert. Um, right now, though, I am what you would consider an ambivert somewhere in between. Yeah, you know, so I love to perform. I love to be on stage, um, and then it gets to a stage where you hit that that introvert barrier, right? <laughs> yeah. right. You might be at a party, and about two hours in, you're like, "All right, I think I got to go." <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> and that's the thing as well. I, I get it sometimes. Like, as I'm definitely an extrovert, but I have my limitations as well. And sometimes I feel like, can you relate to this at all? Because your whole career and job is focused around being this armored um, high energy, high performing person, building relationships all the time. <clears throat> sometimes when you get a little bit of downtime to relax, you don't always want to be the life of the party. You want to just be able to sit back and relax in your own thoughts. And mm-hmm. that's why sometimes whenever I have those moments, people be like, Dylan, are you all right? You seem different. I said, yeah, sometimes I just want a little bit of quiet time to myself, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I get that a lot. Like, I mean, some days, um, you know, people see me and they say, well, What's what's wrong? Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're not smiling. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't need to smile all the, all time, the time to to mm. feel good, uh, but I definitely need my downtime and I need my alone time, and that is just that's me recharging the batteries. Yeah, that's all it is.
1: So, what I want to ask from from what you were just talking about there is, we were yep. 16, 17 when you got this CD mm. set, or something around no, that. I was
0: about, yeah, 17, 18.
1: Now. Before this came along and obviously was the catalyst to the big shift and change in the direction of your life, yep. where did you see your future? What life did you envision for yourself before that moment?
0: Um, I had no idea. I mean, I was completely lost. I mean, I was I was actually hanging around with the wrong crowd um, and I was, you know, at that stage very much a follower. Um, so, I mean, I, I would just, uh, you know, follow the wrong crowd, whatever they were doing. I got up to some, you know, yeah. mischief and a lot of trouble. We don't yeah. need to go into that detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... What I did find is upon starting a sales job, which was literally just a call center job, um, it was actually Coca-Cola Amatul that I started and I was literally calling up, um, you know, cafes and restaurants and seeing if they needed to, you know, to stock up their fridges with Coke products. That's literally (laughs) where I started. But for me, that was a big deal because, Mm. I mean, it was speaking to strangers, um, having these conversations and starting to build my confidence. And from there, I went to being a sales rep, um, door-to-door salesman. And I have to tell you, if you've ever been a door-to-door salesman, nothing will build your confidence and courage faster than doing that. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, we're talking about 98% of the doors that you knock in, you get rejected and sometimes Mm. in an aggressive way. Mm. Um, And to get your way in, um, you really have to be able to understand human behavior and communicate properly. Mm. And so that was a valuable lesson for me. And I went on to then do sales management, sales leadership. Um, I ended up as a director of a large property consultancy in Australia. Yep. And about three years into that, um, with a very, very toxic boss, yeah. <laughs> um, I realized I was miserable, right? Like I'd reached the, at that time, the peak of my career. Um, and when I was younger, um, I guess to answer your question, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to have a big title, right? Like, like director, CEO, and that kind of thing was all ego based. Mm -hmm. And so I got that. I, you know, I was the director of the, of the state, um, for that particular organization and I was miserable. Um, so three years into that and three years of compromising my values and, Mm -hmm. um, seeing and doing things that didn't meet my values because of. Um, this culture that came from the top down, uh, I decided to give it up and I realized not only do I not want to do a nine to five ever again, but everything that I do going forward is going to be values driven and every decision I make is going to be values driven and every relationship I build and foster is going to be values driven. And that's how I've been living my life ever since.
1: At what point in that three years working in that company that started to say, have a bit of a toxic culture, did you start to realize, Hey, this may not be for me? Was it from the start, almost right at the end, where yeah, did you start well, to realize?
0: This is the tough part. I noticed the red flags right at the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: like literally within the first couple of weeks just based on um, – I mean, when you go into a sales meeting mm-hmm. with a toxic boss or a toxic manager and everyone's looking down, no one's engaging, no one's sharing any ideas or innovations or stories and it really just ends up being – a manager talking and people listening, then everyone just kind of leaving the room. I thought that was a bit odd. Um, and then I realized why. Um, and the reason is that every time someone spoke up or shared an idea, they were shut down publicly. Yeah. Um, and in a really abusive, aggressive way, like like how dare you mm. speak up or how dare you share that idea? I'm the professional. Um, so I knew that from the beginning. And what was really hard for me, was knowing I was doing the wrong thing by my values. Yeah. And I stuck there because of the position and because of the money. And the money was good. Right. So I mean that was a big lesson for me.
1: Yes. Compromising your own personal values to satisfy your ego and the oh I'm uh, this is how I'm going to present myself to the world. Yep. It's not going to be a long term sustainable thing, particularly if you're already noticing those things and you're realizing they're not in alignment with who you are and the direction you want to go. I I was I was similar Growing up, I thought all I wanted to do was something cool, right? I wanted to be – I was smart in school. I'd got really good results. I wanted to be a lawyer because why? I wanted to wear a suit every day. I wanted to work in the city, drive a nice car, have a Rolex, go argue with people in court. Like that's what you think about <laughs> when you're, you know, <laughs> yeah, 15, 16-year-old yeah. guy. Yeah. And then I got there uh, to uni in like two weeks, in three weeks I knew I hated it. So I, I didn't get a uni degree. I probably lasted three months in university before yep. I, I moved and just felt so much happier since. For me – I, from that point said, I'm not going to do anything that's based on making money. I'm going to do it based on what I'm going to have fun doing. And that's served me really well since all these other opportunities that have come out being based on trying to create a life that's going to be based on me enjoying it Mm -hmm. and having fun to me being a winner or being successful isn't about how much money you make. It's how much you enjoy waking up and do what you do every day.
0: And it takes people a lot of time to realize that. So Mm. the fact that you realize that so early Mm. is a blessing. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I didn't realize that probably until after that moment where I was like, I'm going home every single day miserable. Um, And that's now starting to affect my family. Yeah. It's starting to affect my own mental health. And for what? Mm. (laughs) like. Like it's literally affecting every aspect of my life and I would rather wake up excited, happy and doing things that really feel like they're in tune with my soul and that wasn't.
1: Well, that's probably something that I'd say a far majority of our listeners would would be able to relate to, being stuck in a position, a company, an industry that doesn't light them up and they do go home or they are looking at their watch, when's it 5 o'clock, when's it Friday, when's the weekend. What would your advice be to someone in that position as someone who's – been there and changed a life and being able to flourish? And
0: um, I, I would say think about the things that light you up the most. Um, think about the things that give you the most energy um, and think about your natural gifts and talents and mm-hmm. try and put them into alignment. Um, and once you've either written them down or given them some thought, then try and find a way to monetize it. Um, and there is always a way to monetize it, yep. right? It's called – um, profitable happiness, right? <laughs> yes. Right? You do what makes you happy and you find a way to make a profit out of it. For me, um, one thing I'd always loved and it was always just a dream was mm. performing.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I loved presenting. I loved hosting. Um, I loved um, the idea of being on stage. Even as a shy orchid kid, for some reason that was always just a visualization that I had um, and that never stopped. And so once I – once I left this job, that is what I tried to follow. So I thought, all right, um, I love self development. I spent a lot of time on it, and after the Tony Robbins CDs, I mean, I was a self development junkie, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, every seminar, um, every CD, podcast, I mean, you name it, I'd listen to it. Yeah. Um, and so, and this is interesting. So I was following this gentleman on LinkedIn called uh, Michael Lane. Which, which I know you've met I think you've had on the show before.
1: No, we haven't, but I uh, will invite him on the show. Okay. He's, yeah, 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 for sure. I love Michael. have spent a lot of time talking to Michael, obviously. Travelled all in Australia, US, uh, New York, London with him for the Gary Vee stuff. So yeah, yeah, awesome legend. Love Michael Lane. Yeah,
0: he's an amazing guy. Super, super generous with his time as well. Um but I've been following him for a while, yeah. right? And I'd seen all the amazing things that he's doing. He's bringing Tony Robbins to Australia, Gary Vee, Grant mm. Cardone, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Richard Branson, just amazing thought leaders. And these people were all mentors to yeah. me. yeah. Um, not in a physical sense, you know, but reading their books, Absolutely. listening to them, everything else. Um, and so um, I reached out to him on LinkedIn and I said, look, I'd, I'd love to have a chat. Um, I think there's a way that we can potentially work together yeah. um, and that some way that I can add value. Can I just have half an hour of your time? And I didn't really expect a response back, but mm. he responded back probably you know the next day and he mm. said, sure, let's have a quick chat. And so I was like super excited. I'm like, all right, I'm going to prepare like a pitch. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wow him. I'm going to blow him away. I'm going to talk about all my strengths and what I can do. And so we got on a phone call Mm. and it literally went like this. I'm like, uh, Michael, Hawaii mate, he's like, like, yeah, I'm great. I'm like, Michael, look, thank you so much for your time. Look, I feel I can add some serious value. And he goes, you know what, before you continue, I just want to let you know that I've been following you now for the last six months on LinkedIn. Mm. I've I've seen the stuff that you're doing. I love it. Um, Let's just get together and make something happen. Wow. And I was just like, Wow. (laughs) So, I mean, I know that fast forwards a little bit mm. into my uh, my LinkedIn journey mm. and the power of social media and the power of visibility and the power of putting yourself out there. Yeah. But when you can get to a stage where you don't need to show, you, show your resume yep. or talk to your resume because people can see you and understand you and, mm. and realize what your values are and your mannerisms, you know, how you operate, how you treat people. That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Let, let's let's get into that journey. From that point that you realized you were going to, to, to leave um, the property space, what were your next steps from there? How did you get into yeah. this? Where did you go?
0: So my very next steps were to – well, probably about a year prior to leaving the property space, I jumped on LinkedIn and experimented, mm-hmm. right? Um, nearly every professional – Um, that I'd noticed in that space was using the platform to some extent, um, to try and, you know, build connections or, or generate leads. And so I thought I'd give it a shot. Um, and so I was on there, um, and it took me about a month to post my first piece of content. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took me about an hour to record maybe a 40, a 40 second video, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like I was super (laughs) self-conscious, never done it before. I sat in my car, I picked up my phone, held it horizontally, pressed record, And just started speaking, you know, and I'd then watch it back and I'd be like, God, I don't like that. Look, Mm. my my nose looked too big. I don't like the lighting. Um, I don't like the way I started there. And that went on and on and on and on until after an hour. I was like, all right, I think done is better than perfect. I'm just going to post this thing, see where it goes. Um, It got maybe 180 views. Uh, which at the time I was happy with. Yeah, first first
1: post, there you go.
0: Right, it's my first post. When Um, was
1: this? What year that you first started? I
0: started in in October of 2018. So, I mean, I would have posted this maybe November Mm. of 2018. Um, And so those 183 views, which – you know, if I got that now, I'd probably nick myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that motivated me to continue Agreed. and start getting a bit more creative. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I did something on a platform that at the time, not many people were doing mm-hmm. right at that time. The, the content was, um, very serious. People mm-hmm. were showing up as their, their professional personas. Um, you know, the professional characters and everyone's got one. Um, and I decided to do things differently because one thing that I genuinely believe is that I genuinely believe in in being real and not perfect and so that's okay. the way I wanted to show up from the beginning and so I decided to put out things that were just very different yeah um, I mean I call it edutainment you know educating people in an entertaining way yeah but I also pulled put out um, very vulnerable and personal stories mm. you know stuff that you know like that you and I would talk about today and no one was doing that mm. right like everyone was trying to put their best foot forward and um, you know just trying to measure each other's egos and status and titles and some of the headlines that you see would be hilarious and exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where it was at. Well, that's
1: probably why you were able to grow so fast because same thing on Instagram back in like four years ago when we started on Instagram, it was all your photos wanted to be perfectly lit, best angles. You're never showing your pimples, your real personality. Yeah. There was never people like crying and saying, "Look, this is real. This is what people do." So, you being at the start of that, you're probably a big part of that movement going forward. Yep. And what over a million followers in less than four years—that's incredible growth. Um, on that, on LinkedIn, there's one question I wanted to ask you about a story. I believe it was one of the first things that went went viral for you, and it was when you shared one of those vulnerable stories. And it kind of goes back into what we were talking about before: being different and 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 maybe not fitting in the way everyone else does on paper. Could you? Tell me the story about the experiment you did with your CVs and not caring back and uh, yes. dealing with that bit of discrimination. Was that just before you came over to the content creation? Anything- yeah,
0: so that was probably the first piece of content that I put out where I decided that, you know what, I'm going to just – Be real. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be super real, put this out there. Whatever happens, happens. Um, and so the story was and, – and I just recorded this over a two or three-minute video just sitting at my – office desk mm. put the camera in front of me and, and just started speaking and telling the story um, and the story was a situation of me six years prior to that where I was um, out of work for a short period of time and transitioning into a different career and I was applying for different types of sales jobs through recruiters and so I sent out about 20 to 30 resumes to recruiters and I was sending, I was sending out resumes to jobs that were perfectly suited to my skill set right like I wasn't I wasn't reaching for a director role when I was a sales rep, right? Like, <laughs> these were jobs that were within my, my skill set. And I got rejected from every single one. Like, and, and these were jobs that I was perfectly capable of doing. Um, and so I was obviously deflated and confused by the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, like every single one. Like, like I'm, I'm talking not even a phone call or a first interview, just, you know, that standard email that says, you know, thank Sorry. you, blah, blah, blah. Um, thank you for your time. You know, unfortunately, not the right candidate. Um, so anyway, I had a chat with a few friends and we had a bit of a laugh about it. Um, and then one of my friends suggested the fact that, you know, what if it was your name? I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, what if they just looked at your name and just, you know, kind of filtered through the resume and, and moved it aside? <laughs> and we all just had a bit of a laugh. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, there's no chance that would have happened. But anyway, I went home and over the course of the next week, I actually gave it some thought. I'm like, what if it was the name? <laughs> And how can I actually confirm that? And so I decided to conduct a bit of an experiment. So what I did was I took my resume, I left it exactly the same, and the only thing I changed was the name at the top of the resume. And I changed it from my name, Armani Mam, to the most anglicized name that I could think of, which was Adam Smith. (laughs) All right. right. Good old Adam Smith. And like I said, everything in a resume was left the same, and I sent it to the exact same 20 to 30 recruiters for those exact same roles. Yeah. And then something crazy happens. The very next day, I received four callbacks from those same recruiters and the messages were more or less, we love your resume. Uh, we'd love to have you come in for an interview and, uh, and take the next step.
1: What did you do at that point?
0: I was, well, first I was just blown away. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it confirmed. And look, I don't like using the word, um, discrimination or racism—I think they're very, very strong words, and I think mm. you should only use them in in such situ- in, in, in in unique situations. I prefer to use the word bias, and I think there's all we all we all have a bias, and sometimes it's it's a sub subconscious bias, sometimes it's a conscious bias, and I think that's what it came down to. Um, obviously, I didn't take it further,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but I was made very, very aware that you know, that these things happen.
1: Yeah. Was that a bit of a rude awakening for you back then?
0: Um, it was. And it was, it was more disappointing than, than rude. Um, but, I mean, I knew one thing. I wasn't going to change my name. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I stayed at it. And, uh, you know, eventually, I think probably about a month or two later, I found a great opportunity, which was a better opportunity than those others. But it was a very interesting experiment. And, um, you know, these things happen. And, and uh, that post that I put out, which was a video – was, like I said, it was my, well, I think it was my second or maybe third video, probably about two or three wow. months onto the platform, went insanely viral um, for LinkedIn standards, right? Yeah. We're talking about LinkedIn here. So, I mean, I got um, 100,000 plus uh, views um, and there was so much engagement um, and everyone from recruiters to job seekers to people that experience similar things, everyone was jumping into the comments saying, mm. I've either experienced this or – you know, thank you so much for bringing this up. Um, I've been a recruiter and I've been in organizations where, yes, I've seen people actually filter based on names. Mm. And the reason is that so many resumes come through per day that you need some sort of filtering system. Um, and so all of these conversations were happening. And, and that, that one video was the catalyst that almost, you know, put me on the map mm. on, on LinkedIn.
1: I think that's it, – it's so good that you shared it in multiple ways. But one other way that just hit me when you were speaking then – I think for the people that had the subconscious bias, maybe seeing that piece of content may have realized, holy shit, maybe I do have one of those subconscious biases and realizes I don't like that. And I don't want to be that person. So there's so many different ways that could have been beneficial. And there you had like an, in, an instant community built. Were you, were you nervous before posting that you did? Did you think it was going to become a big deal? Like it was?
0: No, not at all. I was, I mean, I was super nervous and I didn't think it would become a big deal, mm. but I knew it was something that I just had to post um, and being very values-driven and making commitments myself to be values-driven, I just, I knew, I knew I just had to put that out there. And you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, when you put out a piece of content like that, it's it puts your values onto a loudspeaker, right? And it gives people an opportunity to start to not only understand you on a much deeper level, uh, but then once they believe what you believe, you build a community, mm not only a community, but sometimes you build raving fans because they anticipate your next pieces of content. They're like, God, this guy is is real. And so like I said at the time, people weren't putting out pieces of content like that. Mm -hmm. They were doing, um, you know, six tips on being a property developer and, uh, you know, um, how to best show up to work. And, you know, and I was putting out stories about, you know, some pretty controversial stuff. And so, so, yeah, I I think you're right. I think it gave people – an opportunity to reflect on their own biases and I believe we all have them. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, they are subconscious biases based on our conditioning and the way we we're raised and our experiences. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it sparked a lot of interest and conversation and it also gave me a massive confidence boost knowing that, you know what, I can really stay true to me and people will support me. And that's when I started getting super, super creative and disruptive yeah. with my content. <laughs>
1: Not only will they support you, the more you can lean into who you are as a person. I say this all the time. Being you is a superpower because literally no one else can be you. If you mm-hmm. can lean into that, you can tell me from experience how much more do people gravitate towards that true realness and authenticity.
0: Yeah, it's, it's contagious. Mm. And, and you can tell as well, right? Um, and Gary Vee is a perfect example. And, and he's been a mentor of mine as well. I mean, he came out, he puts out videos where you can tell he just woke up and his hair, <laughs> you know, his hair's pointing in another direction. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, 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 the lesson you learn is, especially when it comes to content, no one cares what you look like. No one cares mm-hmm. what you sound like. But what they do care about is your message. Yeah. Right. So if you feel a moment of inspiration where you have a message that you know is going to help someone or inspire someone or empower someone, just pick up your phone and mm-hmm. record it. And no one cares what you look like; they genuinely don't. It's only your ego, right? It's yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's, once you get
1: past that, then it's free. It's to completely not actually concerned about that, right? It's
0: completely free. And I, I remember Gary V saying um, that he decided to put out content. You know, once he saw someone uglier than him put out content, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "If he's putting out content, I'm, I'm yeah. going to put out content."
1: Well, let's talk about you. Say you want to be very value based, and now I know you're an extremely positive person, but also not positive in like an unrealistic way, you're talking about very real things that can be controversial and, but positivity shines through. What are your core values and what, what, where does your message built?
0: Yeah, so my core values are kindness, optimism, growth, integrity and respect and I've even gone through a process and an in-depth exercise to, to realize and acknowledge that and so everything that I do, every piece of content that I put out, I might not specifically mention those words mm-hmm. but that's what I want my audience to feel when they either read or watch my content. Um, And the other thing is I'm very, very clear on how I wish to use those values to make an impact. So my focus right now is on social impact, is on human rights, is on anti-bullying, and I believe all that needs to be done through some sort of innovation, Mm. right? We've tried many methods before. Um, some have worked on a smaller scale, but I think we need something different, something new to be able to truly make an impact. And I'm not saying I want to change the world. I'm just saying I want to hopefully spark a light Mm -hmm. in a few, um, that can then potentially change the world.
1: Exactly. The ripple Um, effect, right?
0: It's a ripple effect for sure. Um, and so I'm involved in a number of organizations now that, um, are just doing some incredibly exciting things. Mm. Um, and in many different spaces, everything from um, the metaverse and NFT space, mm-hmm. doing some really impactful stuff, to uh, some global organizations that are focused on putting together teams of experts to solve some of the world's biggest problems. Um, and, you know, being involved in um, companies like Success Resources, where their yeah. focus is on educating people and giving people the opportunity to live better lives. And I truly believe that. If you want to make the world a better place, you have to focus on yourself first, right? Yes. You make yourself better and then you can then help make the world better. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I do, and I'm very proud that every single partnership and alliance and sponsorship, everything that I have now ties into those values and ties into my mission of trying to make some sort of social impact through yeah. innovation.
1: That's, that's beautiful. I love that. I want to ask you you said something really interesting. You you went through a a complete process to figure out and articulate exactly what these values were. Yep. How would you recommend someone that wants to really get in tune with their core values? How do they start trying to listen to themselves and figure out what their core values might be? Because mine might not be exactly the same as yours, might not be exactly the same as Joe's. Everyone may have slightly different core values. How would what advice would you give? to someone to try and figure that out for themselves.
0: Yes. I go, I go, I go through this process with my clients. I mean, I have a business called the executive brand and when people think of branding, they really just think of brand identity, Mm. right? Logos and colors and, you know, and all all that superficial um, kind of stuff that you think about when you think about branding. For me, Branding is far more in-depth, right? I'm talking about brand fundamentals, brand strategy. What is your personal brand mission? What is your personal brand values? What is your personal brand story? What is your actual messaging? All of those things. And once you uncover that, the content creation piece becomes not only easy, but it's it's congruent with who you are. Mm. And so the process I go with in terms of them discovering their values, and, and everyone innately knows them. Um, yeah. but they might not just have complete clarity on them. Yeah. Like we innately know what is good and right and mm-hmm. what, what sits with us and what doesn't sit with us. Um, but actually putting it down on paper and articulating it is so powerful. So I'll have my clients and I've, I've got a template. I send them a list of 200 values, Yeah, right? It could be everything from integrity to character to family, relationships, um, respect, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm in person with them, It's much, much easier. We'll actually write down maybe 100 of these values on post-it notes and we'll post them all on the wall and each post-it note has one value written on there and I tell them to take away 50 of them that you just don't resonate with, right? And, And they'll pull off 50 and then I'll go, okay, now I want you to narrow this down to 20. So take away another 30 that you know really don't resonate with you or... Um, they're not as powerful as some of the others. And they they do that. And we go through this process until we narrow it down to five of their values that for them are absolute non-negotiables. I mean, these values to them represent everything that they are truly within them and within their souls. And then once they have those top four values, top five values, sorry, I ask them if there was just one of those values and you could only have the choice of one, core intrinsic value what would that be and that for them is the hardest part of the process and for me that was the hardest part as well and they give that some thought and they pick that one value and that becomes your core intrinsic value and for me that was kindness you know and so that's why I talk about kindness a lot I get involved in a lot of kindness initiatives I believe in especially because of my past the fact that we need to be kind to ourselves uh, because I got involved in a reason I lack that self-worth and self-confidence in the beginning was because of that, a lot of that negative self-talk and the saddest thing about bullying especially when you get bullied for a long time is you start to believe the stuff that people tell you um, and that is heartbreaking right um, but that's the process and anyone that hasn't gone through that process I highly highly recommend you do that because once you get clarity on that you actually get clarity on a very very large part of you and where you are at this stage and and what brought you to that stage because for you, once you have those values, you know that not only are they not non-negotiables, but that's what's going to govern every single decision that you make. Yes. Every single person that you meet, you're going to know whether or not they align with you. And for me, when I – and I get, I, I, I get approached a lot now. I'm very fortunate to get approached a lot by a lot of businesses uh, to have equity in their business, partnerships, brand ambassadorships, all of that kind of thing. And I, I don't make my decisions like you mentioned earlier based on money anymore. I make my decisions based on their character and whether or not my values are aligned to theirs. And I don't care if you're a billionaire, you know, if you're an asshole
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and you're not kind, I'm not going to do business with you. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's why i just so powerful.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm actually going to do that exercise for sure myself. I love the sound of that. I love being able to process, like put things in a process. I'm pretty in tune with this. This There's something I think about a lot, but I want to go through it in that way and start from a list of 200 and break it down. I think I know what my number one core value is, but I want to do this and double check and and see what resonates the most. So I'll let you know. I'd love to see the result. Yeah, 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 I'll let you know once I do that. Um, One thing I like your notion on, and it's the way business and personal brand and branding is starting to change. You took about five, 10 years ago, it was all about building your business's reputation and your personal one secondary. But now it's like the power of personal brand and, and people having that connection to yourself is becoming more and more powerful. Now, I know it's something you've spoken about before, but all you have to look at is the man with the highest value, like net worth value in the, in the world. It's Elon Musk. His Twitter account and him as a personal brand is worth way more than Tesla or SpaceX. Way tell me, more. Tell me about that, how, how you've observed that happening and kind of ways to um, lean into that.
0: And we've got many examples. We have yeah, Elon Musk you know, versus Tesla. Mm. We've got Richard Branson versus Virgin. We've got mm-hmm. Gary Vee versus VaynerMedia. Um, people are there doing business with them because of the people. Um, but this shift happened over the course of the last decade, and it happened because of the generational shift. You know, And I'm talking about you know the change in the workplace between being at majority Gen Xs to now majority millennials. Millennials are different because they are – more highly values-driven than, than the Gen Xs are, in my opinion. And, of course, this is a blanket statement. Of course, yeah. I know many Gen Xs that are completely values-driven. But for the most part, millennials, especially younger millennials, and now Gen Z to a larger degree, they would only be involved or work for a business that has some sort of um, um, some sort of higher place or some sort of higher agenda to give back to the world. Um, and a strong set of values and clarity on those values, mm. um, which is which is super, super important. But to go to your point about personal branding, because of that shift, they're now gravitating towards the values and the characters of the people that run those businesses as opposed to the businesses themselves. Mm. And so that's why it's super important. The other thing is trust. You know, trust takes a long time to build. And unfortunately, because of, you know, <laughs> being saturated – with so much pieces of business content over the last few decades, people don't trust businesses anymore. They don't trust marketing anymore. We know that perception is reality and marketing is more or less perception. And, look, I come from a branding and marketing space, so, I'm, you know, yeah. this, is tr- this is truth. You can take anything and make it a perception, and that's what we're seeing on social media right now, Yeah, um, which is why I choose to show up as being real. But if you can show up on social media – and build a strong personal brand. And I don't care if it's a professional personal brand, let's say, on LinkedIn or a you know lifestyle personal brand on Instagram, whatever it might be. And, again, find a group of people that – a community, raving fans that actually believe the same things that you believe, yeah. that resonate with the stuff that you talk about. They will then – they will first believe in you and get comfortable with you, know you like you, trust you, and then make the decision yeah. to do business with you. Whereas 10, 20 years ago, it was the opposite. Mm. 10, 20 years ago, you'd look at marketing and you go, okay, I'm, go- I'm going to reach out to that business. And then you'd meet someone from that business where mm. it doesn't work that way anymore.
1: One one really, another really good example is a, a guest we had on a few weeks ago, Vonnie. Um, she has a, a marketing agency. She's, she's doing really well. She now has over 15 staff and it was bootstrapped, started it from her bedroom like a lot of people do. But she says every time she hires, every single person, like they'll get a lot of applications every time they open up uh, a role and every single person that she hires says we wanted to work here because we watched your vlogs and seen what you like and seen just like what the how the team have meetings and that <coughs> real and then it might only get a few hundred views on youtube but every staff member wanted to join because they could see what she was like and what the culture of the office was like because she put her hat herself you know
0: it's, it's such a beautiful thing and i'll give you so many more examples yeah um, <clears throat> I have clients that reach out to me that say, you know what, I just love your message of kindness. Yeah. Thank you for talking about it. I love your message of anti-bullying. Um, you know, I love your message of integrity and that post that you put out. Um, can we jump on a call? I'd love to understand what it is that you do and mm. see if we can work together. Mm. Like it literally just starts off from them having some affinity with who you are as a person and what you stand for and your beliefs. Like that's, that's a powerful thing. I'll give you another example. Um, because of the things that I talk about on LinkedIn and my visibility on LinkedIn, I received a message from a member of the royal family in the UAE that literally happened via a LinkedIn message.
1: That was how that yeah. happened. Yeah. They via, saw via your LinkedIn. content.
0: They saw my content. They resonated with it. Um, in that case, the name Ahmed Imam actually worked to my advantage. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but. I mean, I was blown away. I, I mm. thought it was one of those messages. You know how you get a message from a, from a Nigerian king <laughs> and they say they've got $10 billion for you. We just need to transfer into your account. I thought it was one of those. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we had a back and forth conversation, jumped on WhatsApp, mm. had a Zoom call, and it was very real. Yeah. And they literally gave me eight days' notice to get to Dubai, mm. speak at an event, um, which I did. I literally dropped everything. I moved all of my meetings. And I knew this was an opportunity I just had to take advantage of.
1: What did you speak on at that event as well, by the way? Um,
0: I, sp- I spoke about the stuff we're speaking yeah, about now, awesome. the concept of personal branding, um, the power of social media, where it's heading, the future, um, the importance of actually putting yourself out there as a brand ambassador mm-hmm. and a representative of your business. And a lot of people within that um, region – you know that's that's still relatively new for them. Yeah, um, and look, it's it's still relatively new for a lot of CEOs, executives, and high profile people because they don't generally do that. Um, but um, like I said, um, when we were speaking offline, I went to Dubai. I spoke at the event, I met. Uh, and there are seven major royal families in Dubai, right? Mm-hmm. And each one manages an emirate. That's why they call it the United Emirates. Mm-hmm. And so I built a relationship with the specific royal family that I'm aligned to, which is uh, His Highness Sheikh Ahmed bin Faisal al-Kasimi, and he, take, he, t- he actually manages or oversees two specific emirates and a very strong relationship with the chairman of the royal office and fostered that relationship for about three months and uh, eventually, um, after long conversations and shared values, um, I was appointed as ambassador to the Royal Office, which which was incredible, right? And that happened, again, because of my presence on LinkedIn and the fact that I built a personal brand. Amazing. Like, and- like there would have been no other way to break through the million different gatekeepers to, to mm-hmm. get to that situation.
1: So… Is that what like you kind of consult to them on all this stuff, advise them, lend your expertise to help them with, with moving forward in this space? Is that kind of what you do with them?
0: Uh, a few different things. So every, every royal office or they call them private office is essentially a business conglomerate, mm-hmm. right? And they might have 40 or 50 businesses underneath them that they personally invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind that, you know, the rulers of the countries. Um, are the government Mm -hmm. and they're also business people, right? So they believe in conducting business as well, which I think is a good combination. And obviously it's all um, ethical and above board and and that's why they've been able to generate so much wealth um, because they do business with some of the most, um, you know, innovative companies on the planet today. Um, And so I help them with a number of different initiatives with a lot of different businesses and it's everything from, um i mean it's varied entertainment to uh manufacturing to real estate to i mean this that i mean it, you can name it mm. so i'll either assist them with the branding portion or just provide advice as a strategic advisor based on my business acumen
1: yeah wow i love that that's awesome um i when i saw you announce that on social media might have been a few months ago. I thought I can't wait to ask him how this happened and how it works because it's so fascinating. It's another world to me over there, but they're progressing so fast. Like you said, they're this, almost a the center of innovation for the world now. Everything they're doing is done for a specific point, for a specific reason, to achieve a desired outcome in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. And,
0: and geographically, they're perfectly placed to be more or less at the center of a lot of the other business hubs. yeah. And so you'll find people from Europe, people from the States will – gravitate or meet in Dubai to conduct business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of business is conducted there. Yeah. High level, serious business decisions are made in Dubai. Um, and so if you want to be in a place where, you know, there is a lot of business conducted or you're a potential startup mm-hmm. uh, and you want a a good opportunity to, to get your foot in the door, it's the perfect place mm-hmm. to be and you're supported. And mm-hmm. there's a large community of people that support you there.
1: Yeah. A great place to be for the business sector probably more support than, than a lot of other countries get um, for that space. So obviously yep. I've looked into it and I love yep. the idea of it and I definitely want to spend more time over there. But I want to ask you a question, kind of rewinding a little bit, I want, want you to talk about giving yourself permission to find your voice and what that was wow. like for you and, and for other people.
0: <clears throat> wow. Yeah, yeah, that is a process. And for me that was a, that was a 10 to 15-year journey of finding my confidence and courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized one thing confidence is not something that you just wake up with um, because my perception was some people are confident some people are not confident and that's just the way it is I'm not confident I've got to live with that and that's that's not, the, that's, not the, that's not that's not that's not the fact there are some people that are naturally confident or perhaps naturally extroverted and appear to be confident but I'm talking about real confidence right like there's a difference between confidence and, and real confidence real confidence is, truly knowing yourself, truly having conviction in your beliefs and your values and the things that you say. Um, and for me, I realized that real confidence is actually built through action and, accomplishing, and, and accomplishments, right? So setting your mind on something that you might believe is a bit of a stretch, working to achieving that, accomplishing it, and that sense of achievement that you get from accomplishing that is what builds real confidence. And then you move from there to then trying to achieve the next accomplishment, And so I did that over the process of 10 to 15 years and found that through the process of accomplishment, I built some real confidence. Mm -hmm. And I went from a place where I couldn't look people in the eyes, right, when I was speaking to them, right? And I felt that I didn't deserve to take up the voice base because nothing I would say would add value to, you know, the people that I'm speaking to, to now being in a position where I can speak with confidence and conviction in front of crowds of thousands Mm. and tell my story with complete vulnerability, um, a, you know, complete lack of ego and speak my message, you know? So it's a process of building real confidence. And again, I want to reinforce the fact that there is a difference between confidence and real confidence and real confidence happens through accomplishment and truly, truly knowing who you are.
1: Mm -hmm. So building, it's like step by step, block by block, building your confidence up. There's no overnight fix that you can wake up one day and be.
0: no. And look, if there is an overnight fix, it's it's temporary, Yeah, right? Um, And I'll give you an example. Look, I I love Tony Robbins. He was my very first mentor. Mm. You go to a Tony Robbins event, like let's say Unleash the Power Within for four days, for the next three days you are super confident and energetic you want to take on the world. But if you don't maintain and implement some of the things that he recommends that you implement, it drifts away and then you go back to your normal self. And so you have to maintain momentum of – um challenging yourself and continuing to accomplishing and uh, continue to accomplish things
1: for me my confidence i feel like i've always been a, a quite a naturally confident person but i i there's a lot of things that i feel like built my, my confidence through my childhood like i grew up with my my mum and my grandparents being surrounded by so much love and positivity yeah. i had that as a child yeah and then moving into school like i said i when we before we were on air i actually was quite good in school i got good results so now, just thinking back, relating it to what you just said, that's why my confidence was built all the way through school because it was accomplishment by achievement. Every time I'd be first, first, second, and I would start to believe that I'm going to come first and I'd say that I'm going to do it. And then as I would know it and, and, and say these things out loud and as I would achieve it more, it would build and build and build. But now- if I take a step back and think to me why I have my type of confidence and I think it really truly believe 100% of my being that it's real confidence mm-hmm. is because none of that shit anymore. That's mm-hmm. not what it is anymore for me. That was part of me building it but now it's knowing who I really am yeah, and what my purpose is and what I'm here to achieve and none of that stuff even matters anymore.
0: And that's more powerful than anything else, right? Um, accomplishment is so very important mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I learnt um, through a very, very long process of um, failures and mistakes mm. and doing a lot of stupid things and saying a lot of stupid things um, and building wisdom and understanding what's important to me and my values and everything else like I have mentioned earlier. Um, but it takes action and it yeah. takes you jumping out of your comfort zone and I know it sounds cliche but actually accomplishing things that are a slightly a stretch to what you think you might be able to accomplish, yeah. right? Like compare, let's say, for example, and I don't know what number podcast this is for you, but Mm -hmm. compare your very first podcast to your podcast today. I'm I'm sure your confidence has skyrocketed. Every episode,
1: it goes up 10%, you know what I mean? Every single episode, yeah.
0: And and I'm sure you've had a lot of accomplishments and achievements since then and realized what works, what doesn't work. That's how confidence is built. And Mm. unfortunately, it's not an overnight thing. It's a process. And that process is the journey of life and it continues on forever forever. So you don't get to one stage when you're 40 and you say, that's it. I'm confident yeah. now. I'm confident forever. No, mm-hmm. you know, we continue to learn and adapt and evolve and, mm-hmm. and that confidence continues to evolve and thrive as well.
1: One thing I want to ask about, cause it's kind of the step before this, we're talking about with respect to putting out content. I know you consult a lot of high net worth individuals, but for me, I had a little bit of this, even though it sounds weird because I did acting after dropped out of law, I did acting. Oh, so very cool. I again, love being on camera performing, presenting, yeah. that was cool. But then there's difference when you're then creating content as Dylan, as myself, I'm I'm being real. There's no character to hide behind. <laughs> now, one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people that want to start putting out content is overcoming the fear associated with c- creating that content. Yeah. What advice do you have in people to overcome that so they can get started and then remain consistent?
0: Yeah, it's. I, I'll tell you what is funny. I, I do work with my, my – I mean my client base is – um, CEOs, executives, directors, high-profile individuals. I have celebrities, I have billionaires, um, royal family members, all as clients, right? Mm. And they're people that have real influence, let's call it in the real world, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. They manage a whole bunch of staff, they're worth a lot of money, they yeah. built some serious businesses, they speak to their staff, but as soon as you put a camera in front of them and they, and you ask them to speak to a camera, they buckle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing natural or organic about looking into a camera and speaking to it as if it's a person, right? It's yeah. Like yeah. Th- there's nothing normal about that. Um, but it becomes a skill set. And mm-hmm. so what I tell them is to – I want you to speak to the camera in the same tone that you would if you were sitting at a, you know, cafe with your best friend and just having a chat, you know, and that's and that's the tone that should come across mm-hmm. because I want you to speak to your audience directly. And don't speak to a group, speak to an individual, right? In the same way that I'm speaking to you, that's how you speak to yeah. the camera. And the other thing is, especially for the intellectuals and a lot of these, um, especially very, very highly successful, high profile people are intellectuals. They think that they're there to impress their colleagues and so that they have to create a video that's a five minute video that you know speaks to all of their knowledge and 25 different points and and I have to remind them that you're not creating content for your colleagues. Mm. You're not trying to impress your colleagues. You're trying to create bite-sized micro content for your audience mm. and for people that would potentially want to use your product or service. You know, And so focus on just one thing, every piece of content. You focus on giving one message or one lesson and that's it. Yeah. And so when you simplify it that way, it becomes a lot easier and less overwhelming. But, I mean, it's a process. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I will say is – Lean on your strengths. Like I've worked with a number of people that despite how many times I've put them in front of camera and given them tips, they just don't come across the right way. And if I feel that them coming across on camera not being themselves will compromise their business, Mm -hmm. then I'll tell them to lean on their strengths. Yeah. And they may be incredible writers and be able to articulate themselves perfectly via writing. And there's ways to do that on social media, especially on LinkedIn where you can write a text post or an article or you can write a white paper, um, you know, uh, offline, for example. Um, So, yeah, I would say lean on your strengths but definitely give video content a crack before giving up on it.
1: Yeah, and you said this – you feel like when you started – This was already a strength of yours. Obviously, it's developed into a skill set now. But was this speaking and presenting a a natural skill for you beforehand, do you think?
0: Speaking and presenting was. Speaking to a camera wasn't. Yeah. Right? So, like I said, I was still nervous that very first time I filmed because it was different. You know? And, and I mean, I prior to that, like I said, was speaking at weddings. I was doing Mm. sales presentations to high-level people, completely confident. And then when I was by myself and and had a camera to my face... It was a completely different skill set that I realized.
1: That's I honestly can relate to that so recently. Obviously, I did acting, and then I, you know, podcasts, fine, um, speaking at events, fine, love all them. But then when we started doing YouTube, and I've got to speak to the camera like a YouTuber, yeah, f- it feels it's such a weird, different feeling. For me. Not, even for me, I've got to natural. get get used to it, and it's becoming yeah, yeah. more comfortable. But even for me, someone who loves speaking and stuff, it's it's not natural. It doesn't <laughs> feel.
0: Find right no. away at the start. And, and look, the people that do it well on YouTube, like I said, it's a skill set. Yeah. And it's not the first time they're doing it. I like can yeah. guarantee you they practiced it over yeah. and over and over again. And, you know, you have the ability to edit it in such a way that you can take out those moments that might not be yeah. ideal. Um, but yeah, speaking to camera is a skill set a skill set that is going to be more and more important as we go well into mm. the future. And there are people that can assist you with that. But yeah. I, I just highly recommend experimenting yourself, just grabbing your camera, mm. recording something. If you don't like it, re-record it, but observe yourself. Yeah. Observe your mannerisms, your tone. Is it the way you come across naturally? Are you mm. putting on a different voice, you know, yeah. or, or a different character? Um, observe that and then use that to just be better every single time you record something. But also
1: one of the things, like, don't rush yourself with that I feel like there's definitely things you can try and like what you said, experiment, try different things. But for me, it's just getting myself to the point that I feel comfortable with it. And some people might get comfortable with doing that quicker than others. So like you said, don't give up after one, two, three videos. Give yourself two, three, four months of actually trying it. And then if it still isn't congruent with who you are and your skill sets, maybe then think about other ways you can lean into it. But just give yourself time to become comfortable because for me, it's- when I become comfortable doing things, then it's like you get into that that flow state, you know what I mean? Then you can really um, be yourself, give the most value. And like we said before, when you're being yourself, that's the type of content people gravitate to. Um, yep. I'm I'm conscious of time. I wanna ask you a few few more questions before we before we wrap up. Now, as you said, it's kind of a you've come full circle from that first Tony Robbins uh, CD set to now working as a partner with success resources, helping working with and helping promote some of the biggest names and most influential thought leaders in the world Yeah, from all those people that you've been able to, to work across and work with, uh, with success resources or anywhere else. Is there one that stands out as kind of like a pinch me moment or like a, wow, I'm seriously working with this person. This is epic. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, i would probably say Gary V. Mm. Um, and, uh, Despite Tony Robbins um, being a massive mentor of mine at the time that I met Gary V was Mm. a time that I was absorbing his content religiously. Yeah. Um, And so to me that was, um, yeah, a very surreal experience. Mm. Um, Outside of SR, um, sitting down and having dinner with members of the royal family was um, definitely a pinch me moment. Mm. Like, I was like, like am, I, am I really here and talking to these people as if they're friends, you know? So, so I mean, I've I've had a few of those moments, yeah. but, I mean, it goes to show that anything you can visualize can be real and a lot of these people that we idolize and put on a pedestal are all human beings. That's
1: the thing, yeah. Right?
0: Like, that they, the they talk about the same things as we do. They all have families. Mm. They go home at the end of the day. Like, they put on a pair of shorts and play with their kids. Mm. I mean, that's where it's at. So, um, I've had a few of those moments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, it was the same for me. It was it was Gary V because the same thing at the time. Obviously, I came up in that culture when he's talking about e commerce and marketing and all this sort of yep, stuff. Yeah. And then to go and spend so much time with him, I actually didn't at the moment. Like while I was in person, it felt completely normal and real. Like like, but reflecting on it after the fact and thinking, shit, how many times I visualised myself in that like his studio, like in his office where he does all the podcast. I'm like wow, that just exactly yep. what you said. Anything you can visualize can become real. So yep. after that, and then sitting down having dinner, and I'm like, I didn't. It felt so natural, and normal at the time, but to step back and reflect, and like wow, if you back yourself, you believe in yourself, and you work hard, and you do it the right way, then literally anything's possible.
0: Oh, it's it's insane. Mm. It's insane. And, and look, sometimes I sit back and in gratitude, just think about how far I've come. Um, and I don't say that in an arrogant sense. I say that. Um, in terms of self-love, right? Yeah. Like, like just, just giving yourself that permission to sit down and pause and say, I, "I achieved this because I put in the work to grow and develop myself." Um, and you know, the best is yet to come. Like, there's still plenty more to come. Um, but that's that's my main message by f- uh, by far.
1: So yeah, that that's if if you had one piece of advice now to leave to leave the world with, what what would your piece of advice, B, do you think?
0: I always end every interview and video the same way and that is be kind to yourself. Yep. That's where it starts, that's where it ends.
1: Yeah. I love that. And it goes into like self-love, right? Yep. How you how you treat yourself, you need to treat yourself right if you want to treat other people right. Um and now, you seems like you do so many things. What are you kind of doing now? Where can people find you and then where, where are you going next with this? You have so much opportunity it seems.
0: Uh, I'm working on so many projects right now (laughs) that um, I'm super excited about. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a hint at one. Mm. Um, I'm working on a large metaverse project that is going to be – it's going to revolve around Nelson Mandela and Nelson Mandela's legacy. And we have been able to, in fact, we're the only organization to acquire the exclusive rights to Nelson Mandela's IP and legacy by – Uh, the royal office of Mandela. Um, So we're going to create a metaverse like no other, um, and through that, NFTs, um, a Mandelaverse, um, and through that, uh, we're also going to do offline live concerts with A-list celebrities, um, entertainers, I mean, people like Beyonce and Oprah, and spread the legacy that Nelson Mandela had, you know, the legacy of peace, love, unity humanity and if there's any time that we need it it's now um and so that is something i'm super super excited about it's at the early stages but we've yeah. got certain time frames as to when we want to achieve what um and i think the metaverse in my opinion within the, within the next 2 years i would say is going to be the next big social media platform for sure that's where people are going to gather to connect right so if you don't understand what the metaverse is right now i highly suggest that you do your research Um, The other things I'm excited about are um, some things that I can't talk about, um, but we um, have also acquired the rights to, when I say we, um, let's say um, a few partners and uh, Michael Lane Mm -hmm. has actually acquired the rights to Forbes Australia, which is super, super exciting. So what that means is we are gearing up to launch in September, quite literally in a few months, and I don't know when his podcast comes out, but, I mean, it, yeah. by that time it might be very, very soon. And this is the very, very first time in Australian history that Forbes has had a presence, Yeah. right? So we're talking about the publication Yeah. Um, that's going to be released with an iconic Australian entrepreneur or game changer on the cover. We're talking about, um, you know, uh, the online media itself, And through that, we're going to be be doing a lot of innovative stuff like uh, Forbes events and things of that nature. So I can't talk about that in too much detail, Mm -hmm. but let's just say that it's going to give Australia an opportunity to finally showcase the talent that we have here because a lot of the times when you see Forbes and Forbes articles, it's usually US-based talent um, or talent from other areas. Mm -hmm. Rarely do they shine a light on Australia and where – we're kind of the we're kind of the forgotten sibling. Right. So, yeah. so it's gonna be history in the making. It's yeah. gonna
1: be great. I've been following along, watching everything Michael's sharing about that as well. Yep. Um again, yeah, Michael's the best to talk to him pretty pretty often. I, I'd love to have him on maybe leading up to the build up so we can share because a lot of a lot of our audience are people from business and e-commerce and, and and that sort of space. So I think it's epic for Australia to finally have that that recognition. And I couldn't think of a better group of people to to lead that. Uh, in Australia, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm watching along. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll see all the content leading up to it. It's going to be very um, cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. And um, for anyone that wants to look into your content, your message more, what's the best place to find you? Uh, you can
0: find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on TikTok. I've got the same handle across all of them, and that is The Ahmad Imam. So T H E A H M A D I M A M, The Ahmad Imam. Um, Send me a message. I'm not one of those people that just ignores messages. I actually take the time to respond um just give me some time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I i will respond to you and i'd love to have a chat and uh and build some relationships
1: epic again thank you so much i know you're an extremely busy man and taking the time out to come in i knew there was going to be so much value here and there was and we could go on for another hour easily yeah uh, maybe another day but um <laughs> thanks again appreciate it and i'll be watching the, the forbes and the metaverse projects you have with a very close eye so thank, thank you, mate. you
0: my pleasure cheers
1: All right, there we go. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, could you please do me a quick favor and hit the follow or subscribe button? I honestly appreciate it more than you know. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.